A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty guys, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. Today I will be joined by Alex Chamberlain from Fangraphs. Alex is a tremendous baseball and fantasy baseball mind. He's extremely involved in the Sabermetrics community. He's a writer over at Fangraphs and he has won two Fantasy Sports Writers Association awards through his work there. Um, Alex has developed a pitch leaderboard and a similarity score page that I've been using for the past year and it definitely benefited from it. I um, think everyone would benefit from it as well. You could definitely link up with Alex and he'll be glad to show you it and how to extract some good value from understanding the page. So with that said, I'm going to bring on Alex and we'll talk about a range of things including his path to becoming um, a sabermetrician and so well-versed in numbers and baseball. With that being said, here we go. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All righty, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast tonight. I'm here with Alex Chamberlain. Hey, Alex, how you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. Uh, thank you for taking the time out to come out. Um, I know everyone's busy in this world, but uh, it, big thing, big thing. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to get into some questions about your life. I just wanted to know how, you know, you got into baseball. Was it something uh, that you immediately, you know, did you play? Did you just watch other people play? Or do you just like, uh, did you just start playing fantasy? Yeah. So I, um, my dad was a big baseball fan. Um, we grew up, I grew up in Orange County, like, uh, you know, like a stone's throw from Anaheim Stadium. So I grew up an Angels fan. Um, I played baseball as soon as my dad could get me into baseball. Um, so like from T-ball onward, played all the way through high school. Um, was going to play college, but then I D three like not, nothing special. But I was going to play D three, but um, <clears throat> I was just my I just I mean. I knew, I knew there wasn't like a, a logical, <laughs> there wasn't, it wasn't going to ever be more than that, you know? And I, I was like, I should just focus on school. So, <clears throat> um, I was good enough, but like not great enough. Um, 
excuse me. Um, so yeah, I, I've been a baseball fan um, my whole life. Um, you know, my dad would take me into the yard and like, I think like some kids like practice like hitting off a tee or like doing like soft toss and um, as like, you know, four or five or six or seven years old or whatever. And I would go into the yard and I'd practice diving catches because my favorite player <laughs> Edmonds. Oh um, yeah. Jim Edmonds awesome. was the center fielder of the angels. And so um, he was like, that was like my favorite thing was like, I, I kind of like put on a pedestal, like the, the diving outfield catch. And I thought, I mean, I, kids love to hit and, Oftentimes they like to pitch, but they rarely like to play defense, but I always liked playing defense. Um, and so I, um, I actually played catcher like all through uh, little league because no one wanted to play catcher either. And I was just the kid who liked getting dirty. So like I would block balls and I'd, you know, I'd catch and shit. And um, when I got to high school, then we didn't have anyone who could play center field. And so I got to finally play center field. Um, and then, so from like freshman year onward, I was a center fielder and I, um, I got to do all my diving catches out there and I was like, pretty, <laughs> I was pretty good. I, was, I, I did all right as a, you know, as a, as a, a an outfielder and, um, fantasy, um, let's say my, my dad played my whole life. Like he, he, he probably started a league when it was first made a thing like Roto rotisserie baseball, I think. Right our home league is from like 86. So, and I'm in it now. So it's like probably 34th, 35th year or or something like as many years as, as, as numerically possible for there to be fantasy baseball at this point. And I always like, as a kid, I was always attuned to the fact that he was playing fantasy baseball, whether I understood it or not. Um, And so like growing up, I, I always thought like, my biggest not my biggest goal but i always wanted to be in the home league i always was waiting for my dad to invite me <laughs> like when would i be old enough to play in the league and so finally in my my um like my senior my junior or senior year of college that was like 2012 um i got to join the league and so i had played a little bit before that and i didn't know what the hell i was doing and i still didn't know what i was doing in 2012 but it took i that long to get in huh yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I, I played like my, my baseball team in high school, like we had a league. I, again, I didn't know what I was doing right. um, at all. Uh, and so I, I probably started like technically 08, but really taking it seriously in 2012 when my dad yeah. made me pay $100 to get in and I didn't have $100, you know, so like I, I better cash because um, right. this is it's got to pay off at this point I don't I and now that's not an issue anymore but um, you know that's when I started taking it really seriously um, so that's you know that's kind of the, the trajectory there um, I always knew about fantasy it was just a matter of like I didn't know that I could just play with other people I was like waiting for my dad to invite me into his um, to his home league like all growing up and then like figured out that like oh you can just make a league on ESPN so <laughs> But that's a big thing, though. That's a big, uh, like, moment, like You post a... It felt like a big moment. Yeah. It felt like a big... I mean, looking back on it, it's, like, not a thing at all. But, you know, when you're, like... When I was, like, 10 or whatever, and my dad was, you know, he'd check the newspaper every day because that's how it was back then. You know, you check the sports section, see how your guys did um, in the next day's paper kind of thing. Like, and I just... And I just was, like, oh, I can't wait till I'm, like, old and shitty and, like, looking at the newspaper every day for my my scores obviously things have completely changed but like i kind of just like i thought that was 
for some reason so cool that it was that was a thing that like he and like all his friends just did like every morning you know pick up the papers see how you guys did kind of thing dude that's so that's so great you said that because my brothers were the same way they were so meticulous in the way they read the newspaper too i remember stuff like that but i just remember and and i would scan the box score the same way i could see it like right now in the like in the daily news or the post you know i could visualize the way he stood read left to right you know it was like i still i still like subliminally see those box scores when i look at box scores you know and i still make it a thing to look at box scores you know i think uh like a lot of people like pass that over all just like refreshing scores and you know not looking at the like uh like a good old original box score but that's cool man yeah yeah i used to i used to be the same way with the newspapers and stuff so how um is that original league that old league i'm always interested to find out like um how like has anything changed or is it a league where it's like people because i got into a league that's pretty long withstanding and they they refuse to change so many things and uh so i know it's usually tough you know to everyone keep like the original format but so i was wondering about that yeah so the the rules specifically so like you know this is before fab yeah <laughs> and all of that and and so there's really been no modifications to that so like basically um to prevent people from like it's a daily league it's a roto league five by five um to prevent people from making too many transactions it's like it used to be two dollars a move mm. so like you could make a transaction whenever you wanted um but that two dollars every single move would go into the pot and so like there would be some kind of incentive there for you to not do too many of those and i think generally speaking it works and like there's there's largely been just kind of people obeying the sanctity of of not like making daily moves and we have like pitch pitch inning limits and all that so like we can prevent people from just like stockpiling innings or or plate appearances or whatever um it is uh it started out as an eight team AL only league, uh, but moved to mixed, I think in 2012 when I joined. Um, and I think that was just because they had like a bunch of people leave. And then like some, some other people from my dad's like old softball team came in, like all these, all these guys I know from my, my childhood came in and joined, got back into the league. And I think that's when they transitioned to, to mixed and then expanded it had been 10 teams for a while. So it went from like 10 team, eight team AL to 10 team AL to 10 team mixed, the standard five by five and daily transactions. So I feel like, you know, there are people out there who like do uh, much more intense things. And then, you know, you hear about like a 10 by 10 or I said 10 team five by five with daily moves. And you, you're like, that's the easiest league in the world. And I think there are people out there who like to league shame, which I try to, not do because each league is its own beast you know like i i um i always thought 12 team leagues and 15 team leagues would be hard having played 10 and now that i'm so used to playing 12 i love 12 and i think i crushed 12 i can't do 10 anymore like i drafted like a 12 team league and my teams suck now because they're i'm like looking way too deep in the player pool um it's really just hard to like focus on and like recalibrate your replacement level for a 10 team league. I think it's really difficult because you, you have guys who are all probably worth owning and the replacement level is still so high. And anyone you drop is like, could be possibly very valuable to your team. It's like its own fucked up way of playing (laughs) fantasy baseball. But anyway, that's a really long answer to an easy question, which is just, that's, (laughs) 
the format of that league. And it's been like that forever. And it's going to stay like that exactly. forever. We're never going to get rid of average. We're never going to get rid of wins, you know, I and I'm fine it. with that. Like, it's yeah. just, it is what it is. You know, right. there's, there's luck involved, there's skill involved, but it, it, you know, it's, it's its own thing. I love the, um, the, um, the cost of the transaction because I like the way it minimizes, but then also to like good teams who might seem like they're, you know, kind of everyone's making a run, you know, and it, it pumps money into the pool. And I like that. I like the, yeah. uh, I really it always like happens that. in September when like people are panicking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like trying to max out their innings. And like, we double the pool, like in September and like guys like who come forth are like, like yeah. mad at themselves because they've just <laughs> sank like another $50 into the pool um, yeah. and with nothing to show for it. So yeah, it's good. It's um, it's definitely a different way to do it. And like, especially for dinosaurs who um, are, you know, just reluctant to change something that truly isn't broken. Like it's not, it's a non-issue unless you're someone who just is so opposed to, to that, that you can't right. refuse to play, but it's like, you know, it's just, again, it's just a different way of, doing things i find that commonplace in the older leagues i hear about too i think that's probably you know the transaction costs uh it's definitely um a similarity and i think that's the way they like, played right from the start and i like it i personally like that way um i don't mind paying up and you know like you said if it happened to me once where i tried and, and i i failed and but as long as I land in top three and, you know, it's not too much money that I'm paying out. It's, uh, you know, it definitely adds a ton more strategy into the pickup yeah. Um, strategy. Um, yeah. And I feel the same way. And I like the way you um, said it, like you recalibrate your replacement level because uh, I never really played 15s and last year playing, you know, 15 team leagues. Um, I feel like when I went back to my home league 12, I was like, so, uh, like you said, you shift your you shift your eyes toward like a different group of players, and it's hard. It it really is hard because you're like, but I like these guys, and right. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. You play it's, a bunch of 15s, and you get back into 12, and you're like, everyone's so good now. <laughs> like you look at the free, the free agent pool, and you're like, there's a lot of good players out there. If you've been like stuck in 15 this whole time, and 15 is like, you'd be lucky to find someone who doesn't astronomically suck right on the way every wire you know it's just it's so interesting and i like how you um you you said about the league shaming thing because i do love how every league its own mat animal i have so many you know i'm in so many leagues some are 10 you know some are 20 and every every league brings its own you know dynamic to it and i feel like uh it's good to try different leagues too because i feel like you just get a better overall knowledge of how to play you know yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So I know we had uh, an auction draft um, earlier, well, early in the year. In fact, I think it was February or March that ended up not playing out on the NFBC. Um, I actually just pulled it up earlier in the day, and I was glancing at our teams. And, um, man, I don't – I don't, I'm kind of glad this one got uh, this tossed. Killed? Yeah, me too, dude. Yeah, so that's <laughs> – just so, like, everyone else who's listening, like, Rob and I happened to – to before like I even knew who Rob was we happened to be in this auction together and it was my first NFBC auction and I want to just say like before I I'm gonna invariably like rip on NFBC a little bit um and that's not it's not an indictment of NFBC because they do a lot of great stuff and they have a lot of great leagues but um you know 
auctions are my favorite thing. I think I, I excel in an auction. I'm not constricted or constrained to a specific strategy, which is a like linear way of drafting your team. You have to pick a good player and a player who's less good next time and a player who's less good next time in, in general. Um, and instead I can do something like a, a stars and scrub strategy, which is typically how I draft things. The problem with the NFBC platform was that like, and this is probably similar to like ESPN or Yahoo too, but is not a thing in fan tracks. I don't think, but anyway, I'll get back to NFBC is that they, they have like the projected and or average dollar values. And we're sitting there, we're sitting there and like every single player is being drafted within like a dollar or $2 plus or minus of what the platform says. And I'm like, this is like, Oh man, this is so, it's just taking all the skill and fun out of this. Like I, I, you know, I'm hoping to get a bargain somewhere and instead I'm basically following ADP again. Like, like my whole thing when I play auction and maybe this is for you too, is like, I try to, I'm actually a little more flexible than I am in snake because I just kind of, I have like tiers of, of guys that I'm looking at and I'm, I have a general idea of what order they should be in, or even just in the same vicinity of cost. And as soon as I see someone who slips in cost, I'm pouncing on him. So if it's like, you know, you have like, uh, let's say it was last year, you have like Acuna and Yelich and Trout and whatever. And like Yelich comes up like seven or $8 short of the other two. Like that's, that's where you make a move. That's where you buy in. You have, you have Flaherty and, Bieber and um, and Clevenger all bunched together, and one of those guys comes up at like twenty eight instead of thirty two. You you make a move there. You're just trying to like it's all relative for me at the beginning, especially unless I unless I really hate someone. So I'm trying to just kind of like like kind of like carve out those incremental gains up front, and then have more money left at the end. Um, and it's not as simple as I've described it, but basically that strategy did not work because there was no opportunity to do that because everyone was just bidding right up to the projected dollar value. And so like by the end of the draft, I had guys that I was looking at and I actually ended up overbidding because everyone was getting desperate. And like only at the end of the draft did we kind of deviate from the dollar values and and we were going over the, 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 the value. So I got like Encarnacion at 13, Mustakas at 19, like all the Elvis Andrews at 13, like guys who should be like $5 at that point. Um, and it, you know, I'm looking at this team right now and I don't like it. Um, when you sent it back to me, like, I'm glad that I didn't keep it like documented anywhere. I do like uh, some of the buys. Like I got Trent Grissom at a buck. Right. hundred percent. I got Hendricks, Ryu, Maeda for 27 total. I got, uh, I got. Colome, right? Yeah. Colome. Col- um, I got a cheap judge because he was still injured at the time. Like I, I wanted to make a point of like grabbing someone who I figured would be healthy by the time the season started. So like, I made a couple of nice moves, but otherwise like absolutely botched it. And I'm glad we didn't play, but I do like that you brought it back to remind yeah. me of it. <laughs> you How know do you what? think you did? I didn't even look at closely at your team. Um, so, well, hold on. I wanted to go over what, I, I mean, I remember in the room too, like thinking I was looking at your team and looking at it now, uh, it's, a team that I, you know, would, would draft, you know, it's like, I liked exactly what you did. I like the, I like the allocation too, with the, you know, with the, um, with the bat and the arms, um, like something close to what I like to do as well. Uh, 
but yeah, I I agree, and I remember you being so mad in the room. You were you, you, you were like, "This is what's the point?" When not like, yeah, no one was going over. It was it was really crazy, and and like you said, at the point where guys should have been, you know, five seven, it was it was it was you know hectic, and I feel like I love auction. It's I think it's my favorite way to play, and um, it's normally just a home league thing for me. So I was excited to try it in like in a different different arena and um and i you know it's true like when you can uh when you know when that you know like that bucket of players like drops and you see that like you said the four or five dollar like um you have to know when those things happen in the draft because you know if you wait too long or you know you go too soon so i love all those things about the auction and uh i'm hoping that you know i get into another one i'm looking at my team and i don't know why i paid so much money for zach Greinke, but i did (laughs) but no i went pitching heavy Apparently, yeah. um, got, I mean, it's a decent staff, but also like, I can see why you might not be thrilled with it. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, uh, it's funny cause I see it now Presley Barnes. That's the same thing I did in my DC Presley Barnes. I, I guess I was all over them all over the place. And, uh, who else we got here? Um, Santana you got Tatis for cheap. I mean, you got him for probably 30, right on 34, right? It yeah. Seems, in hindsight, it feels like it's cheap, but that was kind of his price at the time. It was like second or third round or whatever. So Correct. It was, yeah. And, uh, you know, B- Bellinger, I guess I made him my guy. I don't know why. I should, like, more of a Mookie Betts type of guy at that point. I, I paid, Betts went for 37 in this draft. Yuck. Damn. And, uh, yeah, Yastrzemski for a buck and, uh, Teoscar for three bucks. So definitely had some, uh, some bats there, cheaper bats. Goldschmidt, fifteen. Uh, Carl Santana do anything, but uh, I'm. All, what is your um, being an auction guy like? How do you like to approach your uh, catchers? Uh, like, what do you do for catcher? Are you like um, you like to mix it up, mid value or expensive guy, cheap guys? I I'm always like interested in the catcher um, a catcher approach from everyone in auctions. I think it it depends because each room is going to be super different. Like in a snake those things kind of are, are telegraphed ahead of time. Like, you know, Real Muto is going to be 50th off the board or whatever. Auctions are like, maybe, maybe you can agree or disagree with this. I feel like auctions are interesting because invariably whoever goes earlier is going to be more expensive. Mm. And that is a, is true for any player on average, any player who goes early, regardless of position, will be bid up. So, like, if you have a room that goes super cheap on catchers, like, they wait until pick 150 or whatever to even bid on a catcher, or maybe any catcher who's not Real Muto or something, someone who's not elite, it will probably artificially suppress all those prices. And if they all go early, maybe less so. So, like, mm. I think generally speaking... um, I'm open to the idea of getting a guy like Real Muto. Um, uh, I think I go more towards like, I like Suzuki and I like Carson Kelly, who are the two that you got. I would probably make either of those my my second catcher. And I got Christian Vasquez, who was all over this year. Right. Uh, I feel vindicated about that. He did have a great season. I think he's going to probably be another, you know, top 10, top eight 
top six catcher um, and again. And he's going under the radar again. Like no one's Yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's yeah. still not really getting his due. So right. I, I, he'll probably be my number one again a lot this year. Um, and there's, you know, if that too early mock is any indication of anything, um, there's a lot of interesting value later. Like um, Tom Murphy, um, anyone who wants to buy back in on Mitch Garver, like these guys are all probably going to be like one, two or $3. And if they don't pan out, you can, you can churn them. Um, and I, you know, I think, um, I think the sprint season is going to present a lot of buying opportunities all in all categories in all, in all positions. But like, you know, if we're thinking about catcher specifically, like a lot of guys who people, th- Wilson Ramos, Oh my God, I'll have a ton of Wilson Ramos. I'll probably have teams like several teams that are both specifically Christian Vasquez and Wilson Ramos because Wilson Ramos had like, like a 200 BABIP or something, but otherwise was just his normal self by basically any measure. So um, again, I'm getting too specific with this, but um, it's very context, context dependent. I think this season I will just be, I'll just be speculating on guys who have high profit potential, which is like an easy thing to say, right? Like obviously you want to find guys with high profit (laughs) potential, but I think very specifically, like if you're a shark in fish infested waters, like you can find the guys who are, who are not being valued properly. I think it's going to happen way more this year. No, and don't say you're sorry, because that's exactly, like, that's a perfect answer. I love that. I love that whole depth, because that's that's what I like to hear. I like to, you know, that, that was perfect. Don't don't change a thing about it. But I agree. I think the uh, the buying opportunity situation is going to be really, um, really interesting because of the short season and uh yeah um but i'm excited um what do you what do you usually do um i think you mentioned stars and scrubs that's that's your usual approach to yeah 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 generally speaking i i you know i think um and do you separate that within that like do you um i know like uh sometimes i like to do like uh like um stars and scrub like i on batting, you know, I'll do more stars and scrub, but then pitching, I'll try to like get one guy and then spread it, you know, after that, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I, th- I think if I'm just being honest with myself, I have probably overestimated my ability to draft pitching. Um, and that is just, it is what it is. And I think I, you know, I try to, I don't necessarily try to spread, to split it any specific way. I just usually let the, the pieces fall as they may looking for those values among the elite guys. You know, I'll, I'll go and get guys at cost, but I'm, I'm looking a lot for guys who might get a buck, two, three, four, five short of what I think they're actually worth. And whether those are all pitchers or whether those are all hitters just kind of remains to be seen. I think I have historically just kind of gotten like two aces and then filled up the rest of my staff. And I think I'm leaning more towards like two, no, I'm sorry, three, um, like at least three guys from like the top two tiers. Something that I can really anchor my team on and I feel confident about and then like really go scrubs the rest of the way. And I, I think I'm good enough to find like two, two of three scrubs that can fill those last three spots. One will probably bust and I'll, I'll churn him. Even if two bust, I'll churn them. But like trying to minimize the number of spots in my pitching staff that I have to churn because I, I, I think I do a better job 
of finding those cheaper hitters a lot of time. And I think you find a lot more of those. I think you find a lot more age discount for hitters. Um, that's just year in and year out. I think of guys like Cole Calhoun, who this year hit like 16 home runs and will just perpetually be outside the top 200. Brett Gardner, um, just these guys who are super boring, um, but provide legit value for your teams. Like they, those are those kinds of guys only show up on the hitting side of things. And I, I kind of just thrive in that kind of zone of of old old boring guys filling out the rest of my squad. Whereas in is pitching, you don't really you don't really find that. Um, so I'm trying to do better to, to invest more in my pitching. And I think I was like historically probably like 70, 30 in favor of hitting. And I'm, I'm kind of like leaning more like 60, 40 in favor of hitting. And, and again, that's always dependent on how the, how the, the room shakes out. Sometimes the room will be 60, 40 and you have to adjust according to that. But I think if you're looking at a, an average room, I'll probably be a little heavier on pitching than the normal person would. Yeah. I, um, well said. I normally am a more pitching, uh, more, more geared for hitting. But in this draft, you know, I at the I think I tried something like what you just mentioned, just going more with the pitching side. Um, I, I definitely see how it works, you know. And like you said, I think I, I like finding the cheap bats too. It seems like it's easier for my, you know, for me to do. Um, and that's usually my kind of approach. But uh, yeah, I love the auction league. I have, I have a home keeper league um, that's auction, and that's like my favorite because um, like walking into the, like it's ten keepers, um, twelve teams, and we have contracts and pretty cool. But um, I like the inf- like I'm big on the inflation going into the year, and um, I think it's. I wish like more people like talked about it and played, you know, and played, you know, like I, I wish it was out more because that topic kind of like, I love it. Like just going into the draft and feel like, you know, my league mates, once they figured out like what I was, you know, what you're talking about when you just mentioned inflation value, like, what do you mean? Like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's such a deep topic, you know, and uh, that's, that's my favorite right there. You know? So yeah, I'm really into the auction leagues and uh Hopefully, get into a couple of them this year. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to try on fan tracks. Just between you and me, like I, I've tried NFBC. I'm a little bit jaded. I'm going to maybe try some of the the paid fan tracks leagues for yeah, auction cool. and see how those look. Yeah, I think I'm going to try that too. Because uh, I like how you mentioned, you know, like the the AAV thing. Really, like uh, I think once people saw that, they just they have a way to just lock into that and. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't cool. So I have some questions here that I wrote up for you. Um, and just wanted to talk about you know, like your path to where you got today and your work in the sabermetrics community. Just like wanted to know where that inspiration came from, to, you know, to uh, get into writing and doing all, all this great work that you do. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I've always liked writing in general um and when i got to okay so let's let's take let's step back even farther i've always liked writing and i've always been really good at math (laughs) um (laughs) i've always been like uh like very i was always like they call it like a mental a mental math calculator like everyone would just ask me something and i'd add it up instantly kind of thing like i was always the best in my class at math like that was just always my thing but i always liked writing too um and i actually originally went to college for journalism um hated that 
hated journalism. Um, but I finished that major and I also swapped over to economics instead, which kind of like fit more into my existing skill set as someone who is math savvy. And so um, eventually I went to grad school. I got a master's in economics. And while I was there, I learned some statistics concepts. I wouldn't consider myself a statistician by any means, but um, you know, I, I was learning about all these things that I knew people used to do cool things in baseball. And obviously I've always loved baseball. And I thought for, you know, for a long time, maybe I could work in baseball, like before I even had any idea of what that might entail. Um, and so uh, let me think here. I just lost my train of thought. So you have to forgive me on that one. Oh, okay. So, um, right. So like before, before all that, uh, it, probably like in 2012, I'm, I'm playing 2011, even I'm playing in, in leagues with my, my friends in college and that league's still been around. We've been around for like 10 years, my, my college buddy league. And, um, I would do like write-ups each week or something about like everyone's teams. I'd do like power rankings. I would talk about player analysis. Um, again, I think if I went back and read those, I'd be super, super, super embarrassed by how bad they are. Cause like, I didn't actually know anything, but I felt like I knew something and everyone liked reading it. Um, as I learned more stuff, just kind of in school, things that I could use for, for baseball application purposes. I, I kind of like took it more seriously. I started my own blog in 2014. Um, not, not like publicly i just and i always tell people this um but i i i started a blog just to um just to write like just to practice writing about baseball um i plugged it into is that my cat sorry i think my cat's trying to get in the room um i i i wrote and i plugged my blog into the there's like a a, a blog role on baseball reference so like if you have their like little plug in on their on your browser you can like tag players using baseball reference links in your posts. And if you do that, they'll show up like as blog posts on the player's page. So, like if you said, I'm talking about Jacob deGrom, um, I used a little tag thing. My blog post will show up on Jacob deGrom's page, the top, like the five most recent posts on Jacob deGrom. So maybe a few people read my blog that way, but really I just did it for myself. And I just wanted to, to practice writing and analyzing players and kind of have like, uh, clips as they call it in journalism like the one good thing I learned about it other than to write a little more effectively than I used to is that it's really good to have clips of things that you've written so you can show people and when Fangraphs had job openings in 2015 I applied and I didn't have anything I could show for myself but I did have like a paper that I did in school about baseball inequality, like inequality of salary in baseball. It was a terrible research paper. I didn't find anything. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and also these blog posts and they were like, nah, we're good. Um, uh, I don't think it really fits what we're going for, but it seems like you'd be really good for fantasy. Um, talk to Eno Saris. And so Eno took me under um, the Rotographs banner and I just started writing there in 2015. Um, and that's kind of just, how it came to be um i again i think i was a lot better than i actually was and now that i can look back on it and if i like went back and read what i was writing back then it probably wasn't very good but um you know you have to start somewhere uh and as long as you have personal growth in mind as you're doing this and you 
never at any point think that you've made it or that you know everything, I think you're going to keep improving and getting better. And I think I've ideally I've been able to do that. So um, that's a very long story about a boring subject, but I have been writing since the beginning of 2015. So I guess this is 15, uh, my sixth, my sixth full season. That's awesome, man. I love, I love everything you write. Um, the once I dis- yeah, once I discovered you, um, it was at first I, I always felt like intimidated by your psyche. So there's so much involved in it yeah. in, in your articles sometimes and then too much, sometimes then, too much. Nah. Yeah. But like, you know, um, it's awesome. I, I, I love now, like I, th- I truly enjoy like just digging and, and just rereading them too. You know, like uh, I gotta say, like, I definitely probably read your re reread your articles more than anybody else's. Wow, thank you. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because <laughs> I try not I just, to reread anything I write because <laughs> I don't want to find out I was wrong. You know, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm I just like, I just want to make like I always want to make sure I understand it, you know, fully. Yeah. And so, and sometimes it takes a reread, you know. So, and um, but yeah, that's awesome. That's that's cool. It's a great little path you took on. Um, I think it's um, I think it's great how you just merged, you know, the like your strong points, like you said, and your in and your passions, right? That's uh, that's a great thing. That's I think yeah, that provides I a lot of motivation, you know, for people to hear that and, and say, oh wow, like okay, you know, and like you said, put your head down, do some good work, and you know, keep plugging away. And um, yeah, and I think come. I and I think just again like emphasizing doing it for yourself first. Like, don't just think anyone's gonna like pick you up just just cause and especially like i think people sometimes think like i win a lot of leagues i should be an analyst and it's like sure yeah i mean any of us can i mean I, we you win a lot of leagues i win a lot of leagues um it's a matter of like being able to like process and communicate information to people as opposed to being like i win a lot of leagues like that doesn't do anyone any good unless you're like communicating that information to people I think that's a good t-shirt. I won a lot of leagues. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, it's definitely, um, it's the cat. Yeah, she wanted to get in. I thought I heard her. Uh, Say hi, Luna. Luna? Yeah, Luna. Hi, Luna. Hey, Luna. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. All good. All good. Cool. So, um, let's see. So, uh, next I wanted to ask you, how do you, like, arrive um, at, you know, articles or ideas um like finding correlations and metrics is it something like just as intuitive as watching the game or uh do you like read or hear what people are talking about and then just like dive in from there and um on top of that when you answer i want to know where this is is it i know you uh i know you mentioned in one of your articles you know i just saw on my whiteboard and you had notes so i want to Tell me about this master, uh, you know, to-do list that you have and where. <laughs> uh, it's not very impressive right now. I don't have a whole lot of ideas, but, um, you know, I think I'm just going to like call out the the dorks on Twitter who are like, yeah, he's some guy who like has never played a game before, like buried his nose into a spreadsheet, like never played a game of baseball, like stop trying to ruin baseball with your analytics. And it's like, Oh man, you couldn't be more wrong. You know, like a lot of the ideas that I get are because I played, you know, like, and I, and I understand how things fit together. And I, you know, obviously I watch 
but you know, a lot of the ideas that I, I have are, are like thinking about how all of these pieces fit together. And, and, you know, before, before StatCast, like we, we, you only have, you only have so much information available um, at your disposal, but like, even back then, you know, you, you have ideas based on, on things that are <laughs> pre-existing, such as like, you know, when the, when the hard hit rate was first created, and you're like, okay, this, uh, this obviously seems like it could help us understand better a guy's power, <laughs> you know, like just, just kind of, kind of thinking broadly about how all these different pieces fit together and in, in, in what capacity they can kind of assemble the puzzle. Like it's all just a big puzzle um, right. and you're just looking for the pieces. And, and right now for even just at this given moment in time, like if you step back and, and try to evaluate like what we've done as a community, the puzzle is still very incomplete. So it's like looking for one of those open spots and being like, what, what exists out there that could help explain this phenomenon or, or explain this particular element of the game. And I'm never like, I'm not constantly looking for it, but sometimes I'll just be thinking about it and have an idea of like, maybe this, maybe this thing, whatever this thing is, will, will have some kind of value um, in explaining something else. And sometimes I find out the opposite, you know, like that's just kind of like the, the iterative process of research. But like a lot of times that's, it's kind of just what I do. Like when I, when I was thinking about the, the max EV stuff, like, you know, I can't explain like where inspiration comes from, but you know, I just sometimes have a moment where it's like, that's interesting. Let's pursue that, that train of thought um, for like launch angle tightness. Like, again, I was like, it's just something that clicked in my head. Like maybe this is a thing. And I looked it up and it is kind of a thing. And I just kind of follow that thread a little bit farther. And, and it's, again, I, there's no way to explain where inspiration comes from other than like knowing and loving the game of baseball and having some kind of concept of how these things might fit together to begin with is really helpful. Um, and again, I don't think I would have had a lot of that intuition to begin with if I didn't play. So fuck all those people who say that <laughs> about yeah. us nerds who are digging our noses into spreadsheets. A lot of us have played. Um, and in fact, it is really beneficial in terms of like research that we do because especially and like you're, you're seeing all these guys like driveline and stuff like that's like literally the intersection of of playing and data like these guys who are like literally playing and collecting data at the same time and like coming up with all these amazing advancements like can't even keep up with all the stuff they're doing so i know um yeah you know i again it's not a good answer because i don't like i don't know where the inspiration comes from, but I don't have a very good, I do have a whiteboard. There's not a lot of ideas on it. I, Shane Bieber's name is still up there as like going to take a W on it before the season still been up there. Now it's a, that's going to be an L. Um, you know, I have some, I have a note to look at release point stuff that I don't know if there's anything there. So just kind of like, you know, like pick a, pick a metric that you have never looked at before and, and figure out if there's any, any, usefulness or value there is kind of like something I do without a, any kind of pattern. I just, you know, just it, when inspiration strikes, I do it. Cool. And is that your only spot for, for uh, like, that's just your idea spot. There's nowhere. Cause I, I feel like I have stuff too scattered. I need like an yeah. ultimate board. I think. Oh that's yeah. What... Whiteboard's helpful. Let me get my other cat in here. Get in here. Katsu, come on. Um, he's going to take my chair. 
You son of a bitch. All right, I guess I'm standing up now. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, I got a rising dust. Look at this. I'm all fancy. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, so like a lot of times I just spew ideas on Twitter like any other numbskull. Um, I do have like a notepad, but eventually I try to get those those notes up on the whiteboard or else I just lose the notepad. You know, like I, I, right. I flip through so many pages and then like I'll come back to be like, oh my God, I wrote about this on my notepad like three months ago and I forgot to write on my whiteboard. So I just, I just needed a place where it all was. And yeah, whiteboard's helpful. Do, do something like that or just have a notebook, like a, like a, 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 an idea notebook that you can, that's dedicated exclusively to that and not like one that you also put your shopping list on, which is what I would do. Like I know. milk, <laughs> butter, eggs, uh, release points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Yeah. A good idea. That's definitely a good idea to be more efficient. hundred percent. And, um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more with, um, you know, saying how uh, it's just like nerds burying your head. How did you say it? Nerds burying their head in spreadsheets? Uh, yeah, yeah no, because how can it not benefit you if you've played, you know, and you and you also have that ability to sit down and digest numbers and 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 understand things that, you know, it, it I um I read the future values book um by um Kyle McDaniels and yeah, Eric yeah. Hagen and yeah. it was cool because they were talking about how it only helps if scouts can learn, you know, um, the analytic side of it and vice versa. You know, it right. only helps if you've been in the game. It, it only helps. And it, it's like a marriage, you know, and that's what you were saying. The ultimate thing of it, it's like right now is the, is the driveline stuff, you know? Um, and like, what am I more aside from fantasy, but, one of my more recent um, favorite followers is um, at Joni93. Um, I, I don't want to say, I think I think I saw you um, commenting on one of his things, but he it's just, it's just cool to see all this, uh, you know, point of contact stuff and, of, you know, the vertical bat angle, like, you know, that whole, it, it's just, it just intrigues me, you know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's cool. It's, it's just cool to see so much stuff out there to absorb and, um, I wish I had more of a, an inclination to get into this, you know, uh, when I was younger, you know, uh, right. So that's why I'm like telling my nephew, he's 15. I'm like, you, you gotta get on this now. Like this is, you know, and he wants, he loved playing. He wants to stay in baseball his whole life. But this is what you gotta do. Get into it. Mm -hmm. you like learn yeah. it. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so let's talk about your, your pitch leaderboard, just similarity score page. Um, maybe like a brief introduction to in case anyone doesn't know that it exists i'm sure anyone who's going to listen to this probably knows it exists but uh yeah and what was the inspiration behind just doing like a board like that for you to you know throw out all this statistical knowledge for us to consume at a oh, way too cheap of a price yeah. <laughs> you were like you were like just donate it to my charity i'm like what yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah thanks to anyone who did that too yeah i appreciate it um, yeah. 100%. um uh so let's see so um a long time ago i found baseball prospectus has um a leaderboard that was similar to it by um using pitch fx data so this is like kind of pre-statcast um but actually i mean it's like it was a leaderboard that had a lot of this kind of information. Um, it was just very poorly designed um, and super slow to load. And so like basically what you'd see is like the, the leaderboard would be, um, you know, like every pitch that's been thrown by every pitcher um, and have like, 
you know, it had like swinging strike rates and stuff like that. Um, and you could do splits by like hitter handedness and like by month and you could divide it by pitchers, but you couldn't do date range. And it was pretty limited in its functionality. And again, it was very, very um, slow to load, which drove me crazy. Um, and so I very, like the very first thing I did was I ripped all that data. Like I scraped it all because um, I wanted to play around with it and I wanted to learn more about pitches. Like I, I thought I knew everything about pitching analysis back then. Um, just really fundamentally not understanding how specific pitches could be so important um, to a, a pitcher's success. And so it really taught me a lot by, by, by scraping all that data and playing around with it and finding like, wow, like, you know, this pitcher is good because of this specific pitch. And I understand that it's good because it's better than all of the other pitches that are just like it in that category mm. kind of thing. So like I, I played with the data a bunch. I actually had like, before I made it a leaderboard, I actually had like a, like a, a, a plot where it, you could pick like two variables and then see like where each pitcher's like pitch ranked on it. And so like one of the things that I wanted to do first and foremost was plot ground ball rate by swinging strike rate. So like, two of our kind of like fundamental things that we used to look at before all stack cast stuff, ground ball rate and, and swinging strike rate and see like whose pitches fall where on this thing. And, you know, I want it all, I want to find all the pitches that are up in the top, right. Where you have a high ground ball rate and high swinging strike rate and not the ones that are like fly ball, low strikeout pitches and, and begin to, again, I can begin to like further understand pitching analysis and also specifically why certain pitchers bet or um, benefit and, and excel in the ways that they do. Um, uh, wrote a couple of posts about it, but then um, had this conversation with Rob Silver. Rob Silver won the main event NFBC 2016. Mm -hmm. um, I was at first pitch, uh, first pitch Arizona. Um, oh, I guess this was 20, uh, 2018. Um, so after the 2018 season, we were walking from the concourse at this, at the, at Scottsdale or whatever, down to get beers. <laughs> and we're talking about this idea of like, what if there was like, what if there was like a leaderboard and like a thing where like you could compare every single pitch that any pitcher has thrown and like do all this like manipulation of the data, figure out everything you need to know, like basically a fan graph style leaderboard, but just specifically for pitches. Um, and I made it like, he was the first person to ever see it. I shared it with him all off season. He's like, this is going to help me so much. He got really mad at me when I made it public, but basically like that's getting to the point where like he, yeah. he kind of like encouraged me, like, this is really like, this would be revolutionary. Um, and I was inclined to agree, um, using the StatCast data, but again, like I can't, the, the inspiration comes from like specifically like the Fangraphs leaderboard, which we're all very familiar with at this point and then also that original baseball prospectus leaderboard which was not good but 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 also was like it was a great idea right. um with a poor application like a poor implementation of it but um it was kind of like the blending of those two ideas to create something that was like a baseball prospectus pitch leaderboard but in a fan graphs format um you know, I, I, I'm not a web, I'm not a web design person. So I did on Tableau, which is something that I know. And I know it's not like the best thing in the world, but I'm just one guy doing his best with what he knows. Um, but that is, that's the origin story. It started all the way back in like 2017, really got its kick in the ass 
to get you know kick in the rear back in like end of 2018 early 2019 and then i and then i dropped it that march was march 2019 i think that's awesome i i, I mean i remember the first time uh, i i got to it and i was like wow this is you know this is awesome yeah, yeah this, is, this is this is amazing i didn't know where to start i remember i think i'm i must have dm'd you like hey like what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, that's, I wanna... that's what I wanted to take, you know, to right. type to you. And you probably would have been like, what? <laughs> no, a lot of people did. And I'm like, you yeah. just gotta get like, you just gotta dive oh. in. Like, I remember when I first found Fangraphs for the first time, that was probably 2014. And I didn't know. I was so intimidated. There was so much information. Like I didn't know where to start. It was my right. first exposure to advanced analytics or whatever. Like just didn't, didn't know. I was always on, on baseball reference. And like, that's, it's pretty good for like, your traditional metrics and stuff like ERA and batting average. And you can kind of find like all the usual stuff, but fan graphs like was just a whole nother world. And the only way you can really learn about it and like really expose yourself to it is just to, to immerse yourself and like dive in and just click around and dick around in it. And um, yeah, I, people ask me for like help on how to do it. I'm like, I, look, I mean, it's, it's all stuff that you recognize just in a different format. And I'm just trying to give you all the information that you need and you just need to like, you just need to spend like an hour or eight and sit down and just kind of like <laughs> play around in the waters here and just figure right. out where everything is. And you know, you'll come to like it. I think, I, I think people have. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think like messing around with, um, like you said, the uh, date ranges, that was awesome. That's like one of the, I think the biggest benefit that I got from it. And also just, um, I, I like the, the uh, the molarity score page of the batters um yeah i mean i i remember really identifying um quite quickly uh you know like gaps in adp for certain batters or, or like just quickly identifying oh this this these guys have a similar hit tool or you know uh to pick four or five categories and just bring bring a guy up real quick and I just noticed like for someone like myself who like can't, you know, scrape data and do all that type of like amazing stuff. I, that was great for me to just instantly see um, three or four guys that might be uh, around the same range and then dive, you know, more into it from there. So I feel like it was a great way for me to start my dive, you know, into, into certain players just by quickly identifying things that way. So I, you know, I benefited from it hugely. So I, I thank you for all that amazing yeah, stuff. No problem. Yeah, I wish I I wish I had done the similarity score thing earlier. Like I, you know, it, it's just, it makes sense. And I think, right. Um, you know, we, we kind of do things like, like, like Ron Chandler, his thing is called Babs. And that's like, the whole point is to not look too much at like specific contributions, but kind of categorize guys by like their general contributions in each category. I um, use it. And like, yeah. And like build a team that way. Draft, yeah. And I think, um, yeah. you know, I think we, we do that, but we're all, we're always looking at outcomes a lot right. of the time. And my thing personal like my personal mission is like we need to get as close to inputs as possible like like outcomes are great they reflect what happened you can't take back or erase or change what happened but they those things can always those things are are possibly random occurrences based on 
what went into it, which is like the exit velocity and the launch angle and all that stuff. And so like, instead of doing comparisons by like, who's a 30 home run hitter, let's do comparisons by like, who has an average, uh, you know, average exit velocity of 93 miles per hour and, uh, and an average launch angle of 16 degrees or whatever. And, and kind of get closer to that. And then I think you will, invariably get closer to a true skill set by looking at the raw skills as opposed to what happened because of the raw skills. So that was the, the kind of the, the idea I had behind those workbooks, the similarity scores for the hitters and the pitchers and the, and the specific pitches I thought was interesting and it's still broken. I need to fix it, but, um, but just kind of like, look again, just looking at again, not the outcomes specifically, but like the things that created the outcomes and seeing how these kinds of things can be similar because they are probably going to perform more similarly in the future if they if they have so much, so many elements in common. Um, right. so that was like, that was the inspiration for that. I need to use it more. Honestly, I made it and I barely even use it, but I feel like it could be pretty useful. <laughs> if you're like trying to find sleeper guys, you know, like I think it's a probably a good valuation tool. Yeah. I remember when I think I DM'd you in season about Cronenworth or something like that. And you were like, I haven't even looked at it in so long. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I love Cronenworth too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. I know. I just like, you know, I, I, again, like I do these things and I like, don't even take my own advice. Like I'm like, all right, Max, Max EV. And then I never, you watch me never use Max EV. It's like, <laughs> what am I even doing here? Like, I'm just, <laughs> just like, I'm like have amnesia or something, but um, yeah, yeah, I gotta be better about doing that stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you got your mind on trying to do the next best thing, right? You're always trying to, I don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Right? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh man. So that's cool, man. I, uh, like I said, I benefited greatly from it. Awesome tool. I suggest anyone who hasn't, you know, uh, who's listening, who hasn't checked that out, definitely hit Alex up and ask him about the pitch leaderboard and the similarity score page guaranteed to help you a game tremendously. And I just, uh, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, Alex. Good stuff. So I want to know what's next. What's in, what's next in the world of sabermetrics? Um, you know, what do you look at when you maybe peer into the future if you do uh, can can stack ass like grow into something even more than it is now or is is there a holy grail of sorts in the sabermetrics world there's all these types of things know. i think about yeah i don't know i yeah. so like i i think about like how much the, the technology has has improved and advanced and it's it's funny because we still haven't made that big of gains like i i i, I I had like a presentation for pitcher list this. Yes. Uh, PitchCon. Yeah. PitchCon. Right. Yeah, and, I, yeah, and I talked about ERA cool. estimators and it's like, you know, we have all this information about pitching and like these, these very granular outcomes and like they don't, you know, when we put them into an ERA estimator, they don't tell us much more than like FIP or XFIP did. And like XFIP is literally just like fly ball rate, strikeouts, walks, <laughs> You know, like, that's it. There's nothing else. And, and it's like, it's so simple and it tells us so much already. And so like we get, we're getting all this new information and it's really super interesting and we're learning a lot, but like the amount of value it's adding is, is, is only incremental. Like we're not taking a huge step forward. It's just kind of a small step forward despite the technological advance. So I feel like we're going to, we're going to be inundated with a lot of stuff and it's going to be super cool. And we're going to learn a lot, but at the same time, we're not 
going to learn that much. Like it, we're going to learn a lot without adding that much value. I'm going to learn about like some guy having the best first step, you know, or like the best, uh, the most efficient, what's it or, you know, whatever. I don't know. But at the same time, like, is it going to, is it going to make my fantasy game or even my baseball watching experience that much better? Uh, probably not. Honestly, it will invariably it will, but like it not, not in a way where you're like, Whoa, like it's going to like, whoever can figure this out first is going to be the King. Like I, there's, there's, there's too much luck involved um, on a, on a, on a per plate appearance basis on a drafting your team basis on just, you know, general variance. Like it's just, it dictates that you're not going to be the best every single time you play, no matter how good you are. Um, and just like I think this increase in knowledge is gonna be helpful and interesting, but not like super uh important. <laughs> if for right. lack of a better word. It's gonna be important and at the same time it's not gonna be important. So anyway, getting back to all that, I feel like my goal is to always again get to the get to the as close to the raw inputs as possible. So like we're still talking about we used to talk about pitchers on an aggregate basis, and now we're talking a lot about pitchers on a per pitch basis and that's great but we're still looking at like the outcomes of those pitches and i think the next step is to like look at what the physical properties of that pitch you know we mm-hmm. talk we talk a lot about movement and velocity and all that we we know plenty about it but we don't have a concrete way of discussing why those things are important or how they're important and we speculate a lot and we have a lot of anecdotal evidence um you know someone can say the movement on X pitch is important for Y reasons, but you know, we don't have formula formulas, formulae uh, to, to like plug numbers in and, and really figure out and model these things. You know, I don't want to be too nerdy about it, but like really statistically rigorously figure out why a pitch works the way it does, as opposed to just saying like he throws at 99 on the black and it makes for a really pretty gif gif i don't know if you're a gif or a gif are you a gif guy or a gif guy i, I, I think i'm a gif guy okay i think i'm a gif guy too i just yeah. said gif yeah. yeah so um i think like that's kind of where we're getting at and i think for bait and for hitters right now we're looking at like the thing that is most intriguing to me right now that we don't really have data on is like is <laughs> is bat speed and bat angle right as it as it pertains to creating exit velocity and launch angle you know, we're talking about exit velocity and launch angle as inputs. Even those two things have their own inputs, trying to get to the, <laughs> trying to get to the bare, the bare bones of everything. So I think that will be super interesting when we actually have like real shareable data, but we don't. It's just like some dudes on their computers who have programs that can track, that can like map bat angle and record it. And they watch like hours and hours of video and it's all proprietary. So I think that's maybe something that like the new data wave can bring us is some better understanding of those things. I think that could be really interesting. I just can't, can't really talk about it because it's not a, not something that people have available to them to even look at. Right. I know. I think, uh, I, I think I DM'd you about that once I was asking you about the, the vertical bat angle, the VBA and the HBA, the hard, you know, the horizontal right. bat angles. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. Uh, you know, um, like you said too, like, you know, you I'm just wondering like, yeah, okay. You know, you could take it, you could LARP from it, but 
you know, what's the value, like how much are you incrementally moving the needle on what you know, right? Mm -hmm. You know, through through all of that, you know. Right. But uh yeah, it's interesting, you know, the trying to immerse myself in as much knowledge as I can see, you know, like you said, is it gonna make me understand baseball better? Is it gonna make my baseball you know, watching experience better? But uh yeah, it's a lot of cool stuff out there. So I'm interested to see what, what makes its way um through the ranks and uh so I, I wanted to know, um, you feel like you can hold a position on an MLB team? And if so, tell me, tell me what you're going to do. What are you bringing to the table? Oh, my God. I, um, I, uh, so, pr yes, I think I probably <laughs> could. Um, I think the longer I do this, the, the more I realize that I'm just – like, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do, and then I see – I see guys who are on teams. I, 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 I somehow from, you know, from someone who's a famous follow on Twitter, not famous, but just like in the fantasy baseball sphere or like baseball research sphere, like finding people who work on teams somehow, like whether they're with the Phillies or the Dodgers and finding out like the work that they do is so much better than mine. And I'm like, Oh, that's why. <laughs> um, but I think like if you put me on the worst team, I would do a pretty good job of doing something beneficial for that team. Like you put me on the Tigers or the, the Mar and Marlins aren't bad anymore, but you know, like one of these teams that has like literally a one person staff um, and not like the, the Yankees or the Dodgers where they, um, they have like, you know, huge staffs of, of people working with data I've never seen before doing great things. Like, I think it's all, it's all relative, but I think I could squeak onto the worst teams staff and, and do some all right work and maybe make them suck a little bit less, but I'm not like, I'm never going to hold my breath for that. I, I did apply to a job for the Dodgers um, a few years ago and I, um, I passed it up because I couldn't wait for them to stop dragging their feet. I mean, it's like the last three interviews or whatever, or the, like the last three interviewees, I should say. So I was like a, a semifinalist or whatever, but um, I just couldn't wait for them to decide. And I had other, I had a, jo a job offer elsewhere and I took it. Um, and just everything I've heard is like, they don't pay you well, like for a, for a, a business that has so much money, just drowning in money. They, they try to skimp on every dollar. And I think people like are willing to, they're willing to take a pay cut to work in baseball because they can say they worked in baseball and they got to do that. And I think like, I, I like my current job more than having to do that. So um, that's my excuse if anyone ever asked me like, why are you in baseball? I'd be like, Oh, cause I'm too, I uh, like my current job more than that. But you know, I don't think everyone's ever going to come approach me. Um, if they did, I couldn't say yes, but I, you know, again, to answer your question, I think it's like, I don't know, put me on the, the Tigers staff and I could probably help that though. Put me on the Orioles analytics staff and I can make that pitching staff decrease their ERA by maybe half a run or something, you know, like, I don't know. Hey, that's big. That's huge. I'll they can take, take whatever help they can get at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's cool, man. Awesome. I uh yeah. What about a minor league team? You think it's like different? Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Do you think yeah, it's any cool. different in, in 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 um I don't know. In applying, you know, the things you like to track and Yeah, I think it just depends on like what data they have. You know, right. like I, I they clearly have some data, but like the the, the stadiums don't have all the same hookups and stuff and right. i don't totally know a lot about that i know they they expanded it more but um yeah i mean i think it just depends on what data they have but i think even fundamentally at that from from 
down lower where some guys get more attention than others in their development. Like you could take someone aside and be like, look, stop throwing 80% fastballs. Right. You've got a good slider, throw your slider more. Like I could just, you can put me on a, a field for five minutes. I can say that to someone and he'll be better probably. And that's not, in the, that's not a, a, a testament to my knowledge as much as it is to like common knowledge that you can ask nine out of 10 people who are fantasy baseball smart on Twitter and they could tell you like, yeah, don't throw 80% fastballs. And you still have like old white guys down on the farm who are like 60% fastballs, 10% change up like this, like kind of like cookie cutter thing that doesn't apply to everyone. Like, I think there's just, there's, there's a disconnect. There's probably a disconnect there that could be bridged. And I think a lot of teams could probably stand not even necessarily from improving their analytics, but improving how their analytics are communicated to their players. Right. I think, yeah, I could probably, I would provide that value to them by not even doing anything and just being the guy who's like, yes, let me talk to your pitcher and tell him that he shouldn't be throwing 80% fastballs. Right. He should, he should bury that slider and, you know, just, you know, like doesn't need to be me, but it can be anyone. And I think a lot of teams probably don't do that very well at all. Um, So that's, that's, that's my spiel. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. I think there is a disconnect. And like you said, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's getting better, but yeah, I, I, I like how you worded that. You think you could bridge the gap and the disconnect for the, the old, the old white guys. <laughs> uh, right. They're not all white, but you know. Yeah, I hear you. So <laughs> I wanted to know how you're going to um, evaluate this 2020 season into any of your player vows for next year. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, right? I don't know. I think one, one of the things that I like to do a lot, that I'll probably do a lot this preseason that I, I don't do – in other preseasons because we have like a full season of data to look at. But when, when the season is fairly young, I like to look at rolling graphs. You know, I like to see, um, it, you know, let's say it's the end of April. Some guys played 25 games. Um, he has what appears to be a career best strikeout rate. Uh, and like a career best isolated power, you know, like these things that look like he's made a legit change. I want to go to his rolling graph and say, since he debuted in 2017, looking at every 25 game stretch during his career, how often has he been able to replicate this exact performance? Cause I think, you know, we, we make so many kind of rash decisions up front because we're kind of, ha- we kind of have to, like, if you're going to catch a breakout, you kind of have to make rash decisions early on um some will hit some will miss but using a rolling graph i can say like okay when was the last time hosmer who this year apparently had like a launch angle revolution when was the last time eric hosmer had a, a, a an average launch angle of 17 degrees through 25 games and you can find as his rolling graph is going along yeah like once in 2017 he did that once in 2018, he did it and it was even better. And so like looking at that, you can say with not a lot of certainty, but with more certainty than none, um, you know, this is, this is within the realm of possibility for Hosmer. This is not necessarily an improvement. It is just, it could possibly just be like the natural ebb and flow around his base skill set. And these things are all kind of coming together really nicely and it's happening at the beginning of a season. So it looks different, but like 
you can point to different points and different seasons. Like, yeah, in August of 2018, he did this exact same thing and became normal Hosmer right after. And he was normal Hosmer right before. So with a 50 or 60 game sprint, put my water cup down, 50 or 60 game sprint, I can take that same chunk, you know, like Jose Abreu looking at a 60 game run since he came over in uh, uh, 2015 or whatever it was. Um, 2014, I think it was 2014, and saying, when's the last time Jose Abreu had a 60-game stretch that was as strong? You can find one or two, but in terms of, like, all of his his exit velocity and stuff, it's the best it's ever been. Um, And so, you know, maybe it doesn't carry over to 2021, but in terms of the best 60 games of Jose Abreu's life, they didn't happen in the summer of 2016. They didn't happen in the fall of 2019. It happened this year. And there is some proof preceding that to say like, yeah, it's a legit improvement. So I think I'm going to be doing a lot more of that to kind of just contextualize it. Cause otherwise like you're going to lose a grip. You're going to lose your grip on everything. If you say right. like this guy's two twelve average is real. Like you, you know, you, <clears throat> you get affected by your biases without realizing you get affected by your biases. And that's oh, why they're man. biases, you know, right? right? Like got like Wilson Ramos again, got buried in catcher ADP this year. He's the exact same guy. He just had a bad luck on Babbitt for two months. You know, like, I don't think he's any different and you really have to like sit down and confront that, that bias. <laughs> and I think one of the best ways to do that is probably with a rolling graph to be like, well, no duh. Like this is just like kind of the natural variance of things. And he's, he doesn't look any different. Um, this rolling graph is showing me that, or literally just looking at any two month stretch, I don't care how you do it, but you just kind of have to contextualize everything. You know, I think looking at absolute outcomes through two months, if you want to embarrass yourself, go look at who was the best, who was on top of the leaderboards in May of last year, and then see where they finished, you know, like no one who started out hot ended that hot unless they were like Cody Bellinger didn't even finish that hot, you know, he was was God himself. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. Yeah, He was was God himself through the first three months of, of 2019. And he came back down to earth, you know, like we have to, you have to keep that kind of stuff in mind and you lose sight of it when you have like an absolute endpoint like this. And again, I I said it earlier, but I think that's going to be the big differentiator this year is the people who can really kind of weed out the noise, find the signal and all the noise for that stuff. And there's going to be a lot more of that happening this year than ever before. I like that. I, that's great. I'm definitely going to uh, be looking at stuff like that. Now that you said it, it makes total sense. You know, it's uh, yeah. and I know that you mentioned Jose Abreu kind of um, spurred a little, uh, a little article that you just uh, had um, about yeah. Max EV over on uh, Fangraph. So um, yeah, guide me through that and talk, let's, let's talk about this, uh, the max exit velocity. Yeah. Yeah. So like he, he might've specifically been the inspiration. And like, you, like I said earlier, like sometimes these inspirations just come out of nowhere. Like you, you see something like that and you know, you have to dig into it. Jose Abreu's average exit velocity and whatever I should not. Okay. Wow. Rewind 10 seconds. Ignore <laughs> that. Um, his max exit velocity for the first uh, uh, five years of his career was like, mm, he touched 115 once and like in a normal year typically touches like 114. So like, cool. He maxes out at 114 um, over a year in a given month. We'll max out at like 110, 112 over the course of a season. His average is like 91. 
Um, and then all of a sudden in September of 2019, so this guy's been in the league for like six years. <laughs> all of a sudden in, in 2019, September, he increases his max exit velocity by like two and a half miles per hour. He touches 118, which is elite. Like it's, you know, 118 is Giancarlo Stanton. It's Aaron Judge. It's Vlad Guerrero Jr. And like, that's it. Um, and then all of a sudden it's Abreu. And like, that is super interesting. Like there's not, there isn't no reason that that happened. Like everything that like, like I feel like what I was trying to figure out is like max EV. And this is something that Rob Arthur had written about is like max EV you can use to figure out kind of like a guy's raw power. And that makes perfect sense because the hardest he can hit a ball tells you exactly like how strong the, the dude is. Right. Like right. if you can hit it 118, then you, you know that he's a monster all of a sudden Abreu going from like pretty good in max EV to suddenly like one of the five best is not something you should ignore. And so I was kind of like, well, it's really interesting because we always talk about when things stabilize or like become reliable. Like, yeah, he's got such and such through April, but like, when does it become reliable? When can I actually believe it? Max EV is different because it's just one instance. Like you're not taking an average of performance over the course of 10, 20, 30, 50, a hundred games. You're like, looking for one specific instance in yeah one uh, single like, event right yeah one single event in like hundreds or th- hundreds of at bats thousands of pitches you're looking for this one single event that can be like whoa this is really kind of an important thing to know about someone and i wanted to figure out when well <clears throat> excuse me my throat's getting a little dry um what what purpose does it serve like what value can it bring and when does it become reliable like, is it faster? Is it become more reliable than everything else? And what I kind of learned was like, I already knew that max EV is like not as good as barrels. If you're going to like, if you're going to go into next season, you probably want to look at barrel rate before max EV. That's fine. That's, that makes perfect sense. You want to look at um, even average exit velocity, probably before max exit velocity, but early in the season when nothing is settled, when things are all over the place, when you don't even know up from down, you can't tell whose performance is legit and whose isn't. You can look at max EV because through maybe like 25 games, half the player pool will have already hit their max EV. And that's like way before everything else has become reliable. So it's like one of those things where, again, it's not the best metric in the world, but it is probably a helpful metric early on when you're trying to figure out who's legit and who's not. You can just look at this one data point and be like, okay, that's, that's interesting. You know, like this guy increased his exit velocity from last year already by two miles per hour. His outcomes don't really show it, you know, like maybe he's, he's got like a a couple more home runs than usual, but like everything else is lagging behind and use that as like a buy low opportunity, you know, like everything's arbitrage in fantasy baseball. And you're just trying to figure out like when someone's going to go on a heater, when someone's going to cool down, um, really trying to just play up the market inefficiencies. And I think max EV, again, short for maximum exit velocity, um, is that is just another thing to add to the tool belt and very specifically one to use in April uh, or, or if you're playing a sprint season in July, but in April, <laughs> looking at that, looking at that very early window and trying to see definitely in terms of who's gaining, um, you know, who, who's, who's made an improvement early on and, who, and if they have, you know, maybe we should be buying in. And, and using this metric before anything else that becomes reliable because those other things could betray us. 
Right. Yeah. This was one of the things I pointed out in the, in the article. Um, like you mentioned at, at the time that the regulars, uh, will achieve, you know, um, I think you said their 98% threshold. Right? Yeah. It's just kind of like, uh, it was just, I just figured that like the exact moment that he hits his max is a little too specific. So I just wanted something that was a little bit like a little bit of a, a cushion area. So right. it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be so rigorous. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, 90% threshold is, is, is all in the, in the post BS. You're right. It's not quite max, but yeah. Right. That's sweet. And I like how you mentioned that it's just, uh, Mac TV is just one piece of a larger puzzle that solves for Hurtis contact quality. I think that's, uh, definitely key, key to think about and to lock into, you know, I feel like a lot of people lock into one thing too much and rely on one thing too much rather than having a puzzle, you know, like you said, uh, a go-to, you know, three or four things you could mash into one, you know, solid evaluation of a guy. Um, so yeah, so I, what also took me by surprise too is, um, the, I think you, you brought up, um, uh, an example with Marcus Hemian, and mm-hmm. you showed the like the how you might have got tricked by his, his expected stats. Um, so just walk me through that. Um, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. how you found that in the first, you know, like how did you pick that up? Yeah, well, that was a, just a coincidence, honestly. Like I was just trying to look for someone who um, who could just serve as a good example. Like I wanted to find out, I wanted to find someone who's who reached their 35 batted ball appearance threshold early and that's i think 33 i think 35 what i found was like again through 35 balls in play like 50 percent of hitters will have already reached their max ev or something very close to it right right it's like 12 games yeah Yeah, 12 games so you're like that's you're in the second week of baseball and you already have something that's tangibly valuable to you so i was like okay cool semyon uh hit three hit his 35th batted ball in the 12th game and incidentally um at the 50 mark 50 batted balls is like 60 or 70 percent of players have hit their max ev but anyway like right on 50 i think it was his 52nd one is when he reached that 98 percent threshold value and so that was cool that was like just like a, a a good example of like a guy who very quickly just kind of like fit the mold of um reaching his max exit velocity early enough in the season for it to be usable. It was like the 16th game of the season. Super helpful. The interesting part about that was he had he had pretty good outcomes. Like it was pretty close to how he finished the season, but like you said his x stats, his expected stats were really bad. And that's one of those things where, you know, it's easy to say like his performance was similar to how he ended the season like um it it really wouldn't have been a big deal, but you have to, you really have to reframe the the idea and put yourself in your shoes in April. If you had seen Semyon with a 378 Woba, but like a 315 X Woba, you would be like, oh my God, he's way overperforming. We need to, you know, be a little careful. Maybe we should trade him. Maybe we should be benching him. Maybe we should, you know, you're not going to drop Semyon that early because you paid a lot for him, but he's the kind of guy where you're like, you're monitoring this a little bit closely because you're concerned that, he is off to a slow start, even though the numbers don't show it. The numbers show that he's just fine, but everything under the hood looks bad. And it turns out that 
those expected stats would be misleading because you probably should have been believing his max exit velocity, which showed that he had power, which showed that his, uh, that his expected stats that said that he didn't have power were probably incorrect. And all that stuff needed to catch up. Like even the expected stats, they need to become reliable too. And that's something that people lose sight of. Wow. You know, great point. Like, yeah. Like, like we, we, yeah, like we, we, we use expected stats kind of like as, um, as the end all be all or be all end all of things. And even the expected stats need to become reliable. And we, we always lose, I always see people losing sight of that. And I think max EV, especially Semyon's a great example. Abre is a great example. is a good way of cutting that bullshit early and being like, you know, I, you know, Semyon's making me nervous, but this very specific data point is giving me hope that he'll be okay in the long run. And true, you know, sure enough, he was, he was okay. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty fascinating that number, the 50%, you know, of the player pool by their you know, 12th game. Um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, right. it surprised even me. You know, right. That's that's wild. And for one, you know, that like you said, one single event, it's uh, it, it's pretty, it, it's pretty fascinating. I, it's uh, it was again another brilliant article. I know a lot of other people. You know, like Toby was retweeting it, and it got him into digging some stuff. And it really, you know, it really did. I spent a couple of hours like looking at some guy that like, oh, okay, so you know, piqued your interest. Like, Rowdy Telez was one guy I was looking at. Um, yeah, yeah, just I'm uh, a rowdy boy. I'm a rowdy boy. You a rowdy boy? Yeah, <laughs> I was I was a rowdy boy before this year, and now now after Max EV, I'm even more like you know I was looking at him and Matt, you know, his ADP in the early mocks was like 300 something. And I was like, that's, you know, I mean, he didn't have a bad 2020. I'm not really sure why people are sleeping on him. And then the max EV thing was like, okay, yes, I am very much on the rowdy train. again. The rowdy train. I just yeah. took him in um, the, uh, the TDBC. The, the, oh, yeah. um, the dynasty the, thing. Yeah. The five year group. Yeah. yeah. I think I took him in like the seventh round um, nice. out, of a, out of a, out of a 30 teamer. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so he's like outside the two hundred, top two hundred. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's. I know, I know. He's still kind of old-ish, um, I guess, but uh, not man. like a dynasty. Like, look, I know everyone gears for the younger. You know, I I try to stay in the middle because I'm looking at performance from like twenty-five to thirty-two. You know, uh, I think yeah. I I think there's a lot of reach way too young, in in those type of. Um, in those type of leagues. Yeah, um, I mean, even though it's dynasty, I want to win now. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't want to wait to win. <laughs> I don't want to wait to win either. It's, it's it's so strange. Like, how do you remove that part of your game that you just want to win, right? It's I think so... I think people like no, like being the guy who was right on someone. You know, like I think there's a lot of pride in like hitting on a certain prospect and building this crazy good team in the future, but just like. I see, I see this happen a lot. And then like guys who are just good now are still sitting there and you're like, okay, like I'm just going to build a winner now. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I want to win now. I'm, I don't want to wait five years to win something. I don't have the patience for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I totally agree. I just started playing dynasty last year and it's just, it's so hard for me to, you know, just to not play to win. And, uh, I just found myself like wanting to drop guys that it just like would probably not be a good idea in dynasty, but I was like, but I have right. no space and I, yeah. I need, I need holds for Christ's sake, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Holds, like, <laughs> oh man. Uh, shit. So I know we had a couple of uh, guys send out some questions. Um, so let me bring that up right now. We'll get in some listener questions. Uh, let's see. So, 
uh, and this is on the on the Max EV um, topic. Phil Dusso wanted to say, uh, you said, quote, Max EV, while an effective indicator is not the or even a superior indicator of hitter power. Um, so can it show power upside, though? So he gave an example of Biggio and Vlad. I don't know if you took a look at that tweet. Um, but he said Biggio has a point. 035 homer to plate appearances with a max EV of 104 and Vlad 0.032 homer plate homer plate appearances, but his max EV is 118.9. So based on that, can you say that Bijo will never hit 30, but Vlad could hit 40? Is he yeah, yeah. So um I to answer your question, I did not look at the questions because I wanted them to be a surprise. So okay. um cool. So right. So I, I think in the post, right, so I, I elucidated that earlier, but the, the max EV like is, is inferior to barrel rate, et cetera. You know, like, again, if I was looking at a player right now for next year, I would look at max EV, but I'd also be looking at barrel rate and, and all the usual stuff. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't discard any of that. I also make a point in the post that like, you know, a lot of <sighs> max EV can only do so much, you know? And I think Vlad is like the very, very crisp and vivid, example of why that is the case because we all know that he can hit a screamer off the left field wall in like three seconds flat we've seen it but without launch angle max ev ain't shit you know and uh biggio is really interesting people undersell him because and like one of the sloppiest things we can do and i i don't want to like i don't i don't sh i don't want to shame people for doing this but they look at the the percentiles on on Statcast, and they see all blue, which is like low. You know, Biggio is low basically on everything. But what he does really well is his bat-to-ball skills are good, and he hits the sweet spot really well. He finds like the optimal launch angle, and so even though he doesn't hit the ball that hard, he's finding the line drive launching or the you know like the line drive launch angle that balls are going to fall in the play where he's hitting them. And so, and you know, he will hit some home runs. Um, don't fight. The cats are fighting. Um, <laughs> um, he will hit some home runs. He doesn't really have like the latent power for it, but the, you know, some will clear the fence. Um, the answer to Phil's question is like, yeah, I think Vlad's ceiling is monstrously higher than Biggio, but they also, they, one is optimizing launch angle extremely well. And the other is doing the exact opposite. And like, right. you can only dream on, ceiling for so long but if if a player is not making a change what the hell can you do you know right. like that was Hosmer's thing for a long time like he probably is better than he actually is if he would stop hitting the ball straight into the ground Yandy Diaz it has arms the size of my you know biceps the size of my head and that dude hits the ball straight into the ground right. so um you know max EV yes a good indicator of potential but that potential is capped if the dude can't hit the ball off the ground. Right, right. And um, I like how you mentioned the um, the optimal launch angle for, you know, line drives. And I just started to look at things grouped like that um, because of your, you know, your launch angle tightness articles and looking at that in a different way. Because if you're looking at too much of a wide range, I guess, you know, you can't got to really focus on where they're hitting the ball consistently, right? And I think you said that well. So, and with Vlad, yeah, I, I, I had I had a great talk with Bloomy Ryan Bloomfield, and he he um he mentioned you know like 
even though he hits it into the ground, Vlad, um, like he said, you can't teach that that hard hit, that max Evo, uh, max EV, you know, but you can change the lift easier than, you know, that can come easier than all of a sudden being able to blast the ball. So, it's you true. know, it's true. Like, I agree with that. You know, yeah. like you can't, you can't teach strength. I mean, you can build it, but like that kind of natural power from Vlad, I mean, that's, you know, that's generational as they say. Um, right. yeah, I, you know, I, I think you, you can definitely change the, you can teach the launch angle thing. Um, but you can also only hold your breath for so long that he'll actually do it. You know, like it, it's, it's like watching a pitcher who's not using an optimal, you know, who's, who's yeah. only throwing his best pitch 10% of the time. You're like, obviously you should be doing that more. And then he just never does it. And he, right. you know, you, you can't, you can't do anything. You just have to shrug. You're like, okay, all right. This is how it's going to be, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I would, you know, in a dynasty, absolutely. I'd want Vlad still. Um, but who, I mean, only 21 or whatever, but you know, you can only wait for so long too. So. Right. Right. Okay. So uh, we got a question for David Mendelson. Um, I know he was going to hit the home star runner angle <laughs> with this one. He said, the strong bad ever take those swim dot dot. I mean, those X lessons. Oh yeah, of course. No, of course. I, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. No. I think he wants to swim practice that day. <laughs> Put on a speedo. Yeah. All right. Strong bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I heard that on that, on the, uh, tr- the uh the triple play podcast that brought me back to the home star runner i couldn't yeah, but you're it. so you're a fan too i love yeah, it yeah it was a brief awesome. like yeah yeah i uh, just remember the the fluffity puffities and little home oh, yeah, star yeah. runner guy uh, and the parsnips uh, it was so many different random things that yes. i still uh yeah pretty cool i did a that was a two-hour home star runner dive rabbit right hole <laughs> yeah. yeah oh my god so, but anyway, we'll move on. Um, Johnny at MLB Moving Averages wants to know why Alex's leaderboard is so effing amazing and why he <laughs> can't live without it. Oh, man, he's too kind. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I made him a custom one this year. That's the thing. I mean, if someone wants to, if someone wants a custom one, I'll make them a custom one. Um, I think Ooh. he used it for sports betting. Um, and, nice. uh, you know, you know, that's a, if someone's listening to this and wants – wants to negotiate with me um i'm more than happy to help out i you know i'm trying to figure out ways to make this this information useful to people i just don't have the time you know so it's gonna might cost you a buck but um but yeah yeah you know he uh he's been very kind to me and he's he, he's always giving me feedback and it's great feedback because i'm i see it through one lens and i'm so ingrained in it and he's like what about this thing and i'm like oh yeah all right. Yeah, of course. So it's, it's really helpful to get that feedback and anyone who this is a, this is a PSA for anyone who's listening. If you use it, uh, my DMS are open and you can, you can, you know, slip me, slip me a DM and give me some feedback. So I'm always looking for ways to, uh, to improve the, yeah. the leaderboard. I want to make it useful as possible. That's awesome. I love the whole custom idea. That's very interesting. And yeah, if any, to everyone's listening out, you've been really, it's just really accessible. You, you know, took time to answer all my questions and even when I, you know, anything so at you, you just, yeah, it's really cool. I like when guys Thanks. take out the time. Yeah. It's just, cause I know like you know, people have a lot going on in this world. So when people answer me and you know, it's a thoughtful response. Uh, yeah. I hold it high. The golden rule, you know, I would, yeah, I, would I would hope that someone else would do the same for me. So I try to do the same for them. 100%. Great way to put it. Mr. Michael Simeone at SP Streamer wants to know if you still love Talkman and you will <laughs> and will you be drafting him? Uh, of course I love Talkman. I um yeah, stop <laughs> biting that. 
You son of a bitch. Um, yeah, but like as with the last two years, it's it's exclusively dependent on how healthy those guys are in that outfield. You know, if if Judge and and Stanton and whomever else are uh, are injured, then yeah, I'm drafting Talkman. And if he's not, then you know, if I was playing a draft and hold, I'd, I'd be still drafting him because they will probably get injured. But um, you know, his his outlook is 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 too dependent on what other people are doing. You know, he doesn't have a clear path to starting right. time. He's on one of the worst teams for that. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that I've reconciled emotionally. Um, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I haven't given up on him. And I think people are giving up on him after, you know, no home runs and, and X number of games this year, but you know, he starts hitting a few home runs. He hit, he hit what, like 280 with six steals. I mean, he's, he even probably still provided more value than a lot of other guys that were drafted above him anyway, without any home runs. So um, I think the power is still there. His max EV improved last year. So if we're talking about max EV, I mean, ah. it's it maxed out in 2020. And just because he doesn't have any homers to show for it doesn't mean that he doesn't have power. So um, again, I, I, I'm fully still on board. Um, he is going to be 30. He's like two weeks older than me, so he's going to be 30 soon. So he's, he's closing in on – his window's closing a bit, but he's, he's still my boy. He's still my boy. All right, still got that Talkman love. I, yeah, I was on him too because I think you had definitely identified him a couple of times, and I'm like, all right, let's take a look at Mr. Talkman. And I think you're right. He, even without that power, that you know, six steals is nothing um, that you can't roster and use, you know. And especially like you said, in those drafting holds or an instance where you know that he will be used. And like I said, I think that's his biggest downfall, right? Is you don't you can't count on that, but you're expecting it because the Yankees, you know, outfield can't stay healthy. Um all right. So make Michael also has another question for you. He wants to know if your family knows that you go on podcast shirtless. Yeah, they do. My wife doesn't like it. In fact, she'd be very upset if she found out that I was shirtless right now. So we can't tell her. Okay. Um, yeah, I made a I made a pact to put shirts on, but it's so hot. It's like last I checked, it was like 82 still. And I'm sure in New York, it's a, a quite a bit colder at this point. But it's like it's 3:15 in the afternoon here, and it's still 83 in my office. So um, hell yeah, I'm not wearing a shirt. Sorry, Jill. <laughs> you're not, you're, I'm not putting a shirt on until December, at least. There <laughs> you go. Shirt was till December. Sounds like a song. All right, and we have um, Dap Scout at Dap Scout wants to know what is the inspiration behind your hairstyle, and alternatively, which pitcher will miss, who missed this season, finishes in the top forty next season. My hairstyle. Uh, I buzzed it. This isn't really a style. Like I have baby bangs right now, which is because I haven't buzzed my head in a while. But I just, baby you know, I had like a really shitty haircut all through childhood and high school, and then after high school, I buzzed my hair, um, and it really freaked me out to do that. And um, you know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not like thrilled about the way I look, but I saw instantly that I looked 100% better than I had with that shitty haircut. So I was like, okay, I just need to keep my head buzzed from now on. <laughs> it got me a wife. It got my, you know, I, I once, I won at least one heart over. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's the inspiration. There's no, there's no, there's nothing to it other than I just, I don't have to pay one. I don't have to pay for haircuts Two, I can do it for myself in my garage. Um, who, Top 40 who missed the season. That's tough because I'm thinking about guys who got injured and a lot of them got injured in like February or March. So like right. Syndergaard and Sale are, are, uh, and Severino are probably going to miss like 
the first half of the season. So there's just really no path to top 40, which really leaves like David Price. <laughs> um, what about Marcus, Marcus Stroman? Stroman. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. Do you think about I, him? yeah, yeah. Good, just like an average pitcher, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, he yeah. it's it's always the ground balls. It's always going to be the ground balls. Um, right. He's just not a big strikeout guy. So like you you take him for um, like a low ERA ish, and uh, you know he's 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 like fringe rosterable, like fringe starter for me in a twelve team league. He's not. He's definitely better in real life. You know, like obviously if right. you want to prevent runs, and he's got a three point four ERA, like that's good, but he's not necessarily like a low whip guy. He's a low strikeout guy fundamentally, and he doesn't really. Um, he doesn't really intrigue me that much. I got to let my cat out real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I think like, you know, and, and the, the pool of players to discuss here is not very big. I think David Price is probably being slept on a little bit. Um, yeah, just I what I saw in the mocks and, you know, he didn't, he's, I think people are going to just think that he'll come back rusty. And I know that his last season before last year, like wasn't great, but he's still a good pitcher. I mean, top 40 sounds like probably where I'd rank him. Um, probably not where I'd draft him out of bias, but probably where he'll finish, you know, like 35th overall or something just like totally usable, not the AC used to be, but like good enough to be on all of my teams. So I'll go with price. Yeah. I mean, the two early mocks we're looking at, and he's got an average ADP uh, 153 high is 129 low is 188. That sounds like, 50th overall i would guess so like among starters right so yeah so right so i think i would i would i would be buying a bit of price you know i'm not like i'm it. not i'm not hammering price at that price right <laughs> no pun intended but um no but if uh, you, yeah you yeah know, i think it's a good buying opportunity right i think so maybe with a you know solid one two and you take him as your number three you know or yeah. if you know even got three three better pitches mark him as four yeah i like i like price going next year we got one more question so, Mr. Yancey Eaton. Love Yancey. Yeah, we Yancey. all love Yancey. Yancey's a good boy. The first, uh, <laughs> he is. He's the first guy to leave a rating and review my podcast. And of course he first is. guy to DM me. Yeah, I love him. He gave me a lot yeah. of inspiration. He's, He's too a good nice. Boy. He's yeah. too nice. He wanted to I know. I don't deserve him. Nobody deserves him. We want to know what album from your youth that you've been finding yourself revisiting lately. Of course, it's a music question. Um, so, uh, so I am still an iPod person. Um, I had like an wow. iPod shuffle, uh, put nice. it through the wash. <gasps> so I, I killed it. Um, but I have two old iPhones and so, um, killed the first iPhone. So I'm down to my, my second most recent iPhone. I think an iPhone five. I wiped it and I use it only for music. Um, it only holds, it's hilarious that like we have huge phones now and we thought fives were good at one point, but my five only holds like 600 songs, which is hilarious to me um, <laughs> with nothing else on it. Like no other crap, no other apps or anything. It's completely wiped and there's still only 600 songs on it. So anyway, I got to add a few more songs and there used to be on my iPod and I think I, he and I have a lot of music taste in common. So like I put some old bands on there that you probably may or may not recognize probably not um like chiodos and a day to remember and four years strong like all these things that i listened to in high school that i kind of had phased out um i i put them back on i just wanted to give them another shot um and it's been it's been refreshing to listen to like to those to those songs of my youth again but um but nothing nothing all that exciting i i'm the kind of person who like has listened to the same 
20 bands for the last 20 years kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I just like, you know, I, I, I don't face things out very often. And I just kind of like stay locked in and I, I love this music, this like corner of music that I listen to and I never get tired of it. And I, you know, so I, I, I didn't have a good answer for that. Sorry, Yancy. <laughs> yeah. It's, I do. I put that too. Definitely have, you know, the, I'm I'm into my go-to music. I, I love it too much yeah. to, tr- you know, to venture yeah. out into other you, spaces. You know. Yeah, and the answer is I do great. venture, like I, but yeah, yeah, you know, just you always locked yeah, into those. Yeah. Right. Like I always want to find new stuff, and I always end up coming back to the same stuff. And Yancy's really like I've talked to Yancy before about it, and he because he loves music and he has favorites, but he's also like constantly looking for new stuff and always trying new things. And it's just like, man, I wish like I just can't. I just am not somehow I'm not good at it. Like going out and going out and seeking it the way he does. But right. Um. Yeah. You know. Cool. I think we're done. All Question right. Question done. My question to Don, I want to thank Locking you. Locking in under two hours, barely. Bam! I know, I know. God, I talk so much. Now I always go. have to apologize. No way. This is great voices, stuff. I can feel how dry my throat is. I've been talking. I, I don't, I go my whole day without talking to anyone. You know, I like work from <laughs> home by myself. I talk to my cats. <laughs> and then I do this. And this is the most I've socialized in like a month. So, um, but no, thanks for letting me talk your ear off. It was... Um, it was fun. It was fun. Thanks for having 100%, me on. Hundred percent. Thank you for coming on. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I I enjoy this. I enjoy talking uh, to everyone about you know their life in baseball. Any any type of angle at it, and it's great. You know, just uh, learning a lot and learning that everyone is so goddamn fucking cool in this industry. You know, just talking to so many people, and it's like wow, this is everyone's so cool. And I know, like you said, you know, we reached out through DM first, and you know, you kind of like get to know a little bit about somebody and um it was awesome to have you on because i really respect everything you do i think you definitely made me uh, a lot better at uh not only playing fantasy but understanding baseball in general you know and i think that's um something that um maybe a lot of people tend to uh get too focused on the fantasy side and of course we want to extract whatever we can you know, to use it in fantasy, but also, you know, I'm always watching baseball and I feel like if it just makes me understand the game even better, it's something, you know, that I covet. So again, thank you for all your awesome work. Been really kind with the leaderboards and tell me how to use it and how to extract good stuff. Yeah, from it. So, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I agree, you know, I'm a student of the game too uh i will i will own that i'm like not the best fantasy player but like i'm just you know just the thirst for knowledge man that's absolutely least you can do is to just keep learning knowledge is power. about something you love yeah cool man awesome alex again thank you for coming out uh you're in the middle of the day so i'll let you enjoy the uh the the rest of the middle of the day out in hawaii go mow the lawn man i don't want to do that nice awesome shirtless also of course yeah of course 100 percent. bam Awesome. All right, Alex. Cool. We'll talk again soon, buddy. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Thanks, man. Talk to you later.